Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. You guys, welcome to day one of 12 days of Funkmas. So for the month of December, we are going to be re-releasing fan favorites. So it's like kind of like my greatest hit album. So we've been podcasting for over three years now. And um, I went through and I found the 12 most downloaded episode, the most popular topics, and we're re-releasing all of those shows. Um, The reason for it, lots of newcomers to the show. I mean, with three years of podcasting, there's 126 episodes. That's a lot of podcast hours. So for this whole month, it's all fan favorites. So all of our friends, old and new, can freshen up on the most popular stuff, and then we can all hit the ground running together in January, because I got lots of tricks up my sleeve for you in January, no doubt about it. Uh, The other thing is that we hit 1 million downloads, which is kind of a big deal in the podcast world. Um, We looked into some stats, and we are at the top 10% of listenership. So (laughs) that's really, that's really, really exciting. And 2020 has been a tough one, you know? So I think this calls for celebration. I want to celebrate the show. I want to celebrate all of you, our listeners, our community, everything we've built up over the past three years. So what we're going to do is partner up with the friends of the podcast and do some really fun giveaways. So be on the lookout for those over on Instagram with every re-release of the podcast. We're also going to do a pretty, pretty bitchin' giveaway. So today's giveaway is coming from the person who I got to interview for this episode. This was by far, like by a landslide, by like many, 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 many thousands of downloads. This was the most downloaded episode. Episode 19, How to Feel Better. I interviewed my friend Sarah Curry, who is co-owner with um, her husband, Jalen Curry, of Blaze Yoga and Pilates in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. They also um, have an online membership. So even if you're not local, you can still access their awesome content. So they have hundreds of classes, Pilates, yoga, high-intensity interval training, strength training, meditation, tutorials. They upload new classes each and every month. Um, And they are giving you an entire month of online yoga and fitness. So in order to get in on that giveaway, you got to go to Instagram at the functional nutritionist, the dot functional dot nutritionist spelled just like the show is spelled. And of course I'll link up to all the goodies in the show notes. 
You got to go over there and share the podcast. That's what you got to do to enter. Share the podcast because I want people to know why we're a million downloads strong and counting. This podcast is free content for everybody. And I know it's changed a lot of lives. And so I want to keep changing lives. And I think people can do that using the show. So if you've benefited from the show in any way, share it up with all your buds. So Sarah, this interview, how to feel better, clearly everybody in the world wants to know how to feel better. Um, it's pretty cool because we talk a lot about chronic pain. Now I, I shortened the original episode, uh, because some of the stuff we talked about at the end aren't, isn't relevant three years later. <laughs> a lot has changed and a lot has changed with their business. Um, they went through an entire rebrand and evolution of the business. Now, Sarah is somebody that I talk shop with a lot. I deeply respect her as a human being and also as a business owner. And one thing that, um, that we have found to be true is that if you run a business and you say, I, I, we do things this way just as be, because this is the way things have always been done, that's when your business is dead in the water. You really have to be willing to listen and to respond to what people's needs are and to adapt to those. I mean, my business has certainly evolved multiple times over in the past 10 years. And so I think that they're a really phenomenal example of that. And they've, they've added a lot of cool stuff. So they now do functional range conditioning, joint mobility control, and they, they pepper that into the way that they teach all of their classes. So check out this interview all about how to feel better. And this is especially true if you don't feel good in your body or you have back pain or you have pain elsewhere, a really, really important listen. And then of course, head over to Instagram to get in on the giveaway. Hey guys, we are back with another interview and we've got both Kyle and myself on the show today. Yay. Yay. So just as a heads up to everybody, what we're looking to do with this show is bring you guys well-researched science back health information but we also want to bring on thought leaders and change makers in the health community, both at large and within our own local communities. We really want to shine a spotlight on the people that are doing great things, people that have helped us along the way, people that we believe in, people that you can learn from. We're certainly not the experts on everything. We don't pretend to be. So we want to bring on people that can speak to, speak to certain topics better than we can ourselves. And Sarah Curry is one such person. Sarah co-owns the Bikram Studio in Portsmouth, New Hampshire with her husband, Jalen. They are some of the best people on the seacoast, you guys. They eat, breathe, sleep yoga, but more than that, they eat, breathe, sleep community. They really just want to show people how to feel better. And I will say, honestly, that Sarah is one of my true role models. I have WWSD stamped in my brain. <laughs> what would Sarah do? <laughs> because I look up to her as a business person, as a researcher. She's such a wealth of information, a badass chick, and just someone I'm wicked excited to have on the show. Um, before I let you hear from Sarah, I want to quickly explain how I came to find Bikram Yoga because I think it showcases what the practice can do. When I was at school at Framingham with Kyle, I herniated a disc in my low back at the time, I was crazy stressed out. I was in the car up to four hours a day. I was working two to three jobs on top of being in school full time. And of course, I was trying to exercise hard. 
And I think my body just broke down because one day at the gym, I herniated that disc and the pain was so bad and just didn't go away. And the only option for treatment I had was a cortisone injection and that didn't help at all. So I remember one day I was just at a low point and I was Googling, I was at the school library Googling herniated, herniated discs and somehow stumbled across a blog post that Sarah had written about her own experience, which was weird because it was in, you know, it was in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, where I'm from. So even though I was in Massachusetts, my boyfriend at the time did live in Portsmouth. So I went and I took a class at the Bikram studio in Portsmouth and it tremendously helped my pain. So I searched for other Bikram studios that were close to where I worked, where I went to school. And I'd say that's part of the beauty of the practice, that all I had to do was Google Bikram, and I knew it would bring me to the same therapeutic practice no matter what studio I landed at. So I kind of bounced around at different studios, and I eventually got better and started practicing and teaching another style of, of yoga, which you guys know. But anytime I got injured, I would always come back to Bikram. And then, as I've talked about on the show before, once I got sick, I actually used Bikram as part of my treatment protocol, and I practiced three to five days a week. So it has really served my body very well, and it's also introduced me to Sarah. So Sarah Curry found yoga when a lifetime of contact sports and weightlifting left her debilitated by back pain. She was hooked 15 minutes into her first class and knew she would practice this yoga for the rest of her life. She teaches each class with her whole heart, with the drive to help others share the transformative power of this yoga that gave her back her life. Sarah blends physicality and meditation toward the same goals, healing, health, and self-awareness. As I mentioned, she co-owns her studio with her husband, who spent over a decade in social work before making the decision to start taking care of himself in order to better take care of others. That's awesome. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. Erin, you never told me that you found it through my blog post. That's really cool. Yeah, it was. it's such a weird, it's like serendipitous story because, it. you know, here I was in Framingham, Massachusetts, and... It could have led me anywhere in the world, and it led me right back to New Hampshire, right back home. That's absolutely wild. Yeah, it is. So, Sarah, let's kick things off by, by you just telling us a little bit about yourself and about your personal journey to yoga. Sure. Um, I mean, I definitely am, was an unlikely yogi at the time that I started. Um, I was really into running and weightlifting. I was a rugby player for a very long time. Um, I'd always played intense sports, and I'd always played everything or done everything I did with a lot of intensity, as I'm sure you guys can um, identify with. And a coworker, I was working uh, teaching special ed at an alternative high school, and a coworker said, "You have got to try Bikram yoga. You would love it." And I was like, "Oh, girl, you are new around here because I would <laughs> not do yoga. I just assumed that it was like burning nag champa incense and chanting <laughs> and and doing happy baby, you know." So little little you know who who knew my I mean you can imagine my surprise when I walked into the class and it was as intense as I could possibly handle um and at the time I had a pretty typical experience with back pain that a lot of people do um that when they start yoga and a lot of people assume that yoga causes their back problems because most people have back problems and um the yoga will uncover it for a lot of people so According to some stats from the 90s, by the age of 25, 80% of Americans will have had a 
quote unquote major episode of back pain. So it's, it's endemic. It's something that everybody has. And I had beaten up my body. And when I started doing yoga, I started doing it with as much intensity as I did everything else. And my back started bugging me. And so of course I thought like most people think, I got to stretch that out. It's just tight back there and I got to stretch it. So I forward bended all the time. I would take a shower and touch my toes and try to stretch it out. And one day I got out of the shower and was like, damn, I just took a 15 minute shower and I didn't, couldn't release the tension in my lower back. Let me stretch it again, cold and wet in the middle of the bathroom. And next thing you knew, I was on the floor and couldn't move. And very similar to the story Aaron just told, I went to see a physician, I got an MRI. You know, he said, you got three options. You can get cortisone injections, we can do surgery, or you can just take painkillers for the rest of your life. And I knew that being a, I grew up in Vermont, so being the tree-hugging dirt worshiper from Vermont that I was, I knew there was no way that I was taking any of those options. And I just started doing this yoga that like, I didn't really know what was happening, but it was making me feel good in a lot of ways. And so I just kept drifting back to the yoga and drifting back to the yoga. And um, spoke to my teachers about it and I started researching like, the anatomy of back pain and herniated discs and, and how it happens to people and why. And um, once I had gone through this process of using the yoga to help me take charge of my life again, I just felt like I, what more purpose could I have in life than to give other people the opportunity to, to empower themselves in that same way. So that's sort of my, how did I find my way to yoga? Um, and why did I want to become a yoga teacher? And I worked in a really stressful field. When I say that I worked in an alternative high school, we were the last stop for kids before they were placed in an out-of-state hospital bed, basically. Wow. So we were doing everything we possibly could to find a way to integrate these guys into their community. Um, working in that system is really stressful. And one day I was lying on, on my mat watching my teacher win her bare feet in her cute little yoga shorts walking around the room and I was like, that's the life I want to live. I don't want to live the life that I'm living. Because as much as the work I was doing was powerful and valuable, um, it was killing me. You know, I didn't have back pain just because I had herniated discs from playing rugby. I had back pain because I was broke and stressed out and I didn't sleep well and I drank too much wine. You know, all of those factors that um, come together for the perfect storm of, you know, personal injury and, and chronic pain. Yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity, did you um, try any other styles of yoga or did you just land on Bikram and just, just stuck with that? Well, I love yoga and I have done so many different types of yoga and I, I have really close relationships with a lot of studio owners on the seacoast. So I make it sort of one of my goals to, to get around to everybody's studio and we have a plethora of yoga studios on the seacoast of New Hampshire at least every year or two. Um, so I've done tons of different types of yoga. I've done power and flow and kundalini and kripalu, uh, Janjiva Mukti and oh my god I can't even think. But anyway, Baptiste and I and I love doing yoga um, but I can't live without my therapeutic 26. Yeah. I, um, I like what you said there that people think that yoga causes their back pain but really what's happening is that yoga is uncovering it. Um, yeah. Back pain, as you said, is all over the place. Um, I read recently that Americans spend at least 50 billion, that's billion with a B, $50 billion a year on low back pain. And I'm pretty sure that chronic pain is the most common cause of long-term disability. So it's a big deal. It's costing us a lot of money. It's affecting a lot of us. A couple of weeks ago on the show, I had, um, 
Dr. Kristen Zames. She's a physical therapist in Stratum. And she talked about the myths of chronic pain and why it really shouldn't even be called chronic pain in the first place, because what that does is send a message to the brain, and then we resign to the fact that this pain is chronic, right? It's just there. There's not a whole lot we can do about it, and it kind of becomes part of our story. And of course, we know how attached to our stories we get. Now, whether we have fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, back pain, autoimmune issues, we start to think that, hey, these are the cards that I've been dealt. This is the life that I live now. And on top of that, there's this big myth that we all buy into that we cannot cure our pain ourselves. We must go to someone else to do it for us. We need to be fixed. We need to be medicated, just like you said about the painkillers. That's one of our only options. So I think as healthcare practitioners, wherever we fall on that spectrum, whether we're doctors or nutritionists or yoga teachers, we need to help people dismantle that myth and give people back their self-worth, their self-efficacy, give people the tools to heal their pain naturally, or even like you said, give people their the, the ability to take charge of their life again. So where does yoga fit into all of this? So I have to tell you that I absolutely loved the interview you did with Kristen, and I loved everything that she had to say. And in my, we work in, we do similar work in different fields. I, everything she described about pain and about helping people through pain, I have experienced as myself, as a person who had chronic pain, and as a teacher of people who are living with chronic pain. Um, and this is the stuff, I mean, this is why I love my job. This is why I want to do this work, because we can heal people's chronic pain and we do heal people's chronic pain, pain every single day. Um, so chronic pain is not actually chronic as you're saying. Well, well, right. And it, it, and it's the experience of it is it's terrifying. You know, I have a student right now going through this debilitating neck pain from herniated discs in her cervical spine. And part of the work that we're doing together is to be just talking about how much what she's going through right now sucks and how scary it feels to feel like, everything in your life is going to be horrible and painful forever and you're, there's no end. You know, when you're living in that much pain, y you guys both know from your own personal experiences how depressing that is and how scary. And you can't, it's hard to be nice to people, it's hard to have motivation for the future. Um, but I remember reading this study back in the late, it was, it was done in the late 90s, but I read it in the early 2000s, um, where they took random people off the street and did MRIs on them and asked them about their back pain. And there was zero correlation between the things we diagnose people with for back pain, so like herniated disc or degenerative disc disease or stenosis, and people's experience of pain. I mean, there was like one particular MRI that the doctors were flipping out about. This guy's back was destroyed. He had barely any space between the bones of his spine. He had terrible arthritis. His discs were like completely desiccated or totally herniated, and he had no pain. And there were other people that they, they um, took images of in the study who had teeny tiny bulging discs who were like completely crippled by their pain. So that's a big eye-opener. You know, when, when we send people to the doctor to get, you know, some kind of screens or scans, they come back with a diagnosis that sounds scary. I mean, scary. Can you imagine, right? Degenerative disc disease. It sounds yeah. terrifying. And it sounds like something that you can't overcome yourself. And it's something that's really, really scary and frightening. But what we saw from that study was people's experience of pain wasn't actually connected to those tissue injuries. So something else is going on. Clearly, obviously. 
And, and since back pain is so ubiquitous, um, there have been a ton of studies done on back pain. And I what particularly, I was kind of pounding my steering wheel as I was listening to your podcast with Kristen, and I listened to the story she told about Sage with her herniated discs and her doctor recommended bed rest. Um, in 2007, Harvard Medical School completed a study, a comprehensive study of all of the existing um, research and information on back pain. And the number one um, recommendation that came out of that study was no bed rest for back pain. Because what it showed across the board, regardless of what they were trying to study in each individual study um, in terms of methodologies and approaches, what they found was when people rested, their back pain got worse. And when you think about the way that the body works and the way the body reacts to pain and how we tense when we're not moving the body a lot, it makes a lot of sense. So for Sage to go to the doctor and her physician in 2018 to give her a prescription for bed rest, you know that that physician has not reviewed the scientific literature in at least 15 years. And that's Yikes. sickening. Wow. You know? It's just such a different way of looking at things. And I mean, when you say it like that, I'm like, well, well, yeah, of course, bed rest. I mean, you're just going to you're just going to sit there. You're not going to be doing anything right. therapeutic. But wow, that is. And that that is um, connected to another piece of this whole like back pain is a really good one to talk about because there's when you talk about fibromyalgia, there's it's the whole body. It's confusing. It's hard to know where the source is. When you talk about back pain, you can usually point to a part of your body and say it hurts right here or it shoots down my leg. So the, the nervous system's response to pressure on a nerve is pain. That's where we get pain from. When you get a cut on your finger, you have nerve stimulation and, and it, it feels like pain. But long-term pressure on a nerve or a nerve root, the body's reaction to that is numbness. So if a herniated disc is actually the cause of back pain, then back pain would be temporary, and then you would like not be able to walk, or you'd have a floppy foot, you know, or you'd have numbness and tingling down your leg, or problems controlling your bladder. Um, but that's not the experience people have. So we we do actually know on a on a biological level that back pain from a herniated disc is not actually caused by the disc touching the nerves. So it's got to be other stuff, and. I'm a super nerd about science, and obviously this is a problem I've had, and my students have had problems with this, so I've done a ton of research on it. But there was a study done in Scandinavia years ago, at least, at least, it's at least 15 years old, if not older. And they studied all of these different healing modalities, and all the different modalities had about the same efficacy rate, like somewhere between 31 and 37% efficacy. So from traditional approaches like discectomy, and cortisone injections to some alternative therapies like massage therapy or acupuncture or physical therapy. But they also found that talk therapy and taking St. John's wort fell in the same range of efficacy, about a third. Wow. Right. Yeah. So everything that you guys talk about all the time on this blog and everything you talked about with Kristen in the pain um, episode is is true it's not one piece and it's not one thing and what we know from these types of studies is that the model we have for treating pain it's inefficient at at, at the very at the very most it's inefficient and at the worst it's actually it's it's harmful to people 
um, because we're not looking at the pieces of it that are that are broader than that. One of my favorite resources to send students to, and I think I'm a little bit off track in terms of talking about how yoga helps, but I promise we'll get back there. <laughs> but one of my favorite resources is this video on YouTube by Dr. Mike Evans. If you just Google Mike Evans um, back pain, it'll come up. It's about 10 minutes long. And he talks about all the different sources for back pain. And some of the sources of back pain are, are life-threatening and scary. If you have mid-back pain that doesn't go away and it lasts for a long time, get a chest x-ray, make sure you don't have lung cancer. I mean, there's some serious things that can happen. It's extremely rare, but those types of diagnostic testing are really helpful because they can give you information that you wouldn't be able to guess or imagine. Um, but he talks about all of these other pieces of the puzzle and like people who are um, don't have a lot of social connections have a greater amount of back pain and people who develop community connections begin to heal from back pain. So there's all these other different aspects of it, like satisfaction with your life. Are you able to be creative in the things that you do? Um, how much physical activity do you get? What is your diet like? All of those pieces and aspects all fit in to healing back pain. And, and his um, model for helping people heal is to assemble a team. And that really makes sense, especially if you look at how all those different modalities that I was just talking about earlier fit in. They're, if they all provide a, a third here and a quarter there and 10% here, it's, it's really about looking at a holistic life plan that is going to make you heal and feel better. There's no one modality. You can't just start doing yoga and all your back pain is going to go away and it's going to be gone forever. Or you can't just you know, get cortisone injections and then go home and sit on the couch and think you're going to feel better. You have to take other action. And for each pe person, just like you guys when you talk about functional nutrition, the plan is different for everybody. For some people, acupuncture is really helpful. For other people, taking a walk with a friend daily is going to be that piece that they need. And maybe you, maybe you do need a back doc. And maybe you need a uh, physical therapist or whatever it is. So all those pieces of the puzzle are, are really what addresses everything. Yeah. In addition, it, it, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. In addition to that, we're an extremely sedentary society. And we do a tremendous amount of forward bending. I mean, if you were to stop and take a look at what most everything you do during the day is, it's a forward bend. Everything from, you know, spitting in the sink to, to brush your teeth, to washing the dishes, putting on your shoes, checking your oil, sitting at your desk, sitting at the dinner table, sitting on the couch watching Netflix. You know, most of the stuff that we do on a, on a daily basis is some forward, form of forward bending. And when the spine is in that position, the intervertebral discs that should function as cushions in the spine are pressed backward and that's where our peripheral nerves are. So it stands to reason, if we are a culture of forward benders, that we would have back, a lot of back pain. And if you look at the stats, you know, sh it shows true. So on a physical level, yoga has a lot to offer um, in terms of just getting people's bodies to, one, move, two, not be stiff, and three, do the opposite of forward bending, which is backward bending. But then the other piece of it that, that I think Christine, Kristen touched on a little bit in her pain podcast was people's disconnection with their bodies and um, uh, sort of disjointed responses to pain or to discomfort or to misalignment or to tissue damage in the body. And that's, that's the work that yoga does on the, not just the physical level, but the mental, emotional, and if you like the word, the spiritual level, is getting people to spend some time in their bodies and to actually feel what it feels like in there and, and see if that's a place where they can be comfortable. 
Wow, that was a lot. Um, I, I t- being in your body, and I think I probably said this on that show with Kristen, but being in your body is 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 tough for people. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think if that's like the one thing I could get my clients to do, it would be that start there, get in your body, and that's why I love yoga as almost a prescription for people because it it that's what it does at the very yeah. you know at the very foundation of it all that's what that's what yoga does and so I think it's no matter what type of yoga yoga you do like just get into a room and try it because that's the ticket in that's the ticket back to ourselves and Um, you don't even have to know what you're doing you're gonna get tricked into it so that's the best part (laughs) about you know you you get tricked into meditating you get tricked into being present um there was a very cool study that was released in 2017 on fibromyalgia and yoga And at the beginning of the study, they took people with and without fibromyalgia and pricked their fingertips with a pin. And the people who did not have fibromyalgia rated it on a pain scale. Everybody was under a five. A lot of people were one, two, three, whatever. But for the people that had fibromyalgia, every single person rated a pin prick as a seven or higher. And a lot of people rated it as a nine or a 10. So just like Kristen was saying, right, all pain is real they really had that experience of being pricked by a pin as being a 10, the top of the pain scale. And so in the study, they took the the fibromyalgia patients and had them practice yoga, I think it was four days a week for three months. And at the end of the study, they were all rating it below five and the average was three. So that's like really big. That's huge. Very similar to your own personal experience, Aaron, sort of getting that permission that the pain you felt from your autoimmune disease or your joint hypermobility, just hearing that you weren't hurting yourself, you know. So it's almost as if that practice allowed people to sit inside their bodies and feel it and realize I'm not in danger, I'm not hurt, and maybe change some of those patterns of stress response or fight or flight or threat perception that enhance pain and increase your perception of pain. So, you know, it appears that something in terms of chronic pain is like a miscommunication or a misperception of the input you're getting from your proprioception system. And that if we can actually work with people to address proprioception and pain perception, that that's the ticket to healing. And it's not necessarily what we have to offer people right now, which is like drugs. Yeah, I and I said, and that's all spot on just because I've experienced it in my own body. So I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But I think it's kind of, can be a hard, hard thing to wrap our heads around. And I think it can also be a hard sell, especially when we talk about holistic healing and having to hit it from a lot of different angles because we are a quick fix society, right? We we want the magic bullet. And I, I think it's so easy to blame doctors and to blame pharmaceuticals for for doling out n- prescription medications, but I, it's, I think we've all sort of colluded in it because we are the ones going to our practitioners saying, I need the quick fix, right? Yep. P- I mean, I have people coming to me saying, I need the meal plan. I just, just tell me what to eat. We, we, we are, we're asking for it. So to tell somebody, whoa, 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 slow down, back up a step. It's not, it's not that easy. That's a hard thing to hear. And I think especially from somebody suffering from this constant unrelenting pain, they just want, they just want to feel better. Um, yeah. And I think some of that is about how the cell is about how you sell it. And I really find that in my job, I sell it often from the physical perspective. So I talk to people a lot about 
the anatomy of the spine and the placement of the discs and pressure on the nerves because that's stuff that people can get their brains around you know and saying to somebody we're going to work on your your perception of pain and pain input nobody's going to buy what i'm selling you know, and the good part about practicing yoga is that you don't have to buy into it to get the side effects. Right. You just leave. You leave the yoga studio being like, I I'm a, I feel better and I think I'm a better person too, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. The, the effects are immediate. Now, you had also mentioned movement. Um, I'm going back, you know, a few minutes, but how bed rest is not good, good for back pain. And that's because the body requires movement in order to maintain its, its optimum function. And it reminds me of something that you said in your TEDx talk, which by the way, you guys go ahead and listen to that. It's awesome. You can just Google Sarah Curry, C-U-R-R-Y in TEDx talk. I'll put it in the show notes, but it's an awesome, awesome thing to watch. But you said that the human body was designed to be active and that yoga yogis that you see, people that come into your hot room, begin to bring movement back into their bodies, and medical miracles occur. So, I would I always find inspiration in hearing about other people's stories. So, can you tell us about some medical miracles that you've seen at your own studio? A hundred percent. I mean, I could probably tell fifty. So, tell me when you want me to stop talking. <laughs> um, the number one thing that we see for people that they cannot believe, and their doctors cannot believe, is regulation of high blood pressure. I mean, people see serious changes in their blood pressure within like two to four weeks. We had this individual practice with us uh, a few years ago who was in his mid-20s and he had had really, really dangerous hypertension since he was 16 years old. And when he would go to his a doctor's office, he had what he called physician-induced hypertension, which meant that it would actually rocket so high that they were like afraid for him. He was the client who they sent him home with a sphagnomanometer so he could test his BP at home because the levels were so high in the office that like they just didn't think it could be real. And so <clears throat> he started practicing with us four days a week and just it was just perfect. Um, he was a part of the original Biggest Loser program and we'll get into that I think a little bit later. But as part of the program, we took people's blood pressures at the beginning, and his was high, like 160 over 90 or something like that. So after four weeks of practicing four days a week, he just happened to have his annual physical. And when he went in, not only was his blood pressure not increased from the doctor's office, but it was the first time since he had been a child that his blood pressure was normal. It was 122 over 80. Wow. And that's a dude not changing his diet, not changing his stressful job, but simply going to yoga four times a week for a month. You know, that's, that's massive. And, and the side effects of um, the drugs they put you on for, for hypertension are really scary, you know. Mm -hmm. We have another student who um, has been on medication for hypothyroidism since she was a teenager. And for the last 21 years, every time she went to the doctor's office, her... Um, dosage would be increased because the symptoms just they couldn't you know they were always increasing she practiced yoga for about four months and after four months it was the first time in her entire life that she went in and had a prescription reduction you know so something is wow. happening when people start practicing yoga that that is this this miracle and you know as teachers of yoga and practitioners of yoga there's a lot of stuff in the world of yoga that um we like to say, like, this is good for your spleen, and this one cleans out your gallbladder, and this posture is great for your thyroid. But the real, true, miraculous piece of yoga that makes it help people be healthy and 
to overcome these chronic diseases that they've struggled with for so long is that it simply enhances the existing systems in the body. And the more that you learn, and I'm sure you guys are experiencing this with your continued education, the more you know, the more you realize how fascinating and amazing and complex that the human body is. And all we have to go in there and do is just like give it a little bit of a boost. I used to wait tables um, when I was in college and this guy used to come in like once a month. He, he had a card that he, he'd like pull out his credit card before, um, before he even got his drink order and put it on the table because it was like issued by the US government and his last name was Kennedy. So he was like, you know, trying to show that he was a big wig. <laughs> he had a lot of like special requests and stuff like that. And he'd kind of like uncomfortable flirt with you. And then the meal would come Sounds to an like end. A charmer. <laughs> yeah. The meal would come to an end and the guy tipped twenty percent. I mean, I'm sorry, ten percent every time. And so he was like this dude that all of us start got to know him and would like interact with him as little as possible and um, shirk the table off on other people. And then once a year we had this um, construction company that would come in and it was their once a year party, their holiday party they would throw. And these people, I mean, they were there to have a good time. They were friendly. They had drinks. They brought bottles of wine for the table. Everybody had an appetizer. Everybody got a crab leg add-on. Everybody had dessert. They were friendly and fun, and they remembered your name. And at the end of the meal, the owner of this construction company would tip the waitresses 30 to 35%. So when they came in, like, everybody loved them. We gave them extra bread. We gave them special service. The bartender made their drinks extra strong. And your body is the same way. If you're going to be stingy and, and under stress all the time and give your pancreas as little amount of blood as possible because you're constantly in your fight or flight response, it's going to do the bare minimum of a job and like kind of ignore you. But if you go in there and you're generous and friendly and kind and you're putting circulation in all of the tissues of your body, they're going to be able to do their job better and happier and more efficiently so that they can simply like start all those processes again in your body that make you healthy and resilient and amazing you know and that's why people start doing yoga and they're like my fibromyalgia disappeared you know my chronic whatever it is is gone because we're all we're doing in there is palpating the lymphatic system and stimulating circulation to the digestive organs and making sure that all the tissues in your body are getting as much you know nutrients in and waste products out as is possible and that's it's not a miracle it's really just circulation <laughs> it just boils down to that. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you got something from today's show, don't forget, subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.